0: Welcome to Random Rambling and Rhetoric with T.J. Mercer. That's my T.T. And it's all powered by the Samsung Notes. Now, here's my T.T. I just loves me some porta-potties, said no one ever. I don't know about you, but the ickiest thing on the planet is when I am forced to use a porta potty. I try to hold my bladder until the last possible minute. And what about nasty public restrooms? Ew, public restrooms plus kids. Parents, what do you do as soon as you take them to a public bathroom? You make them hold up their hands and forbid them to touch anything. Then you get in the stall. There's no toilet paper or seat cover. You handle your business, come out, and then there's no soap or paper towels. Lord, how must Jesus is just not a good situation all around. Fortunately, though, fortunately, there's the restroom kit. A full bathroom solution the size of a lightweight deck of cards. A deck of cards, y'all. I keep one in my purse all the time just because it's complete with a full patented oversized toilet seat cover, enough toilet paper to cover the essentials, plus wet wipes for your tushy and your hands. The restroom kit is a don't leave home without a necessity for your road trips, you going camping, the beach, festivals, basically any restroom that ain't yours. Even that friend of yours who's cleaning is not their strong suit. You know what I mean? So, pop on over and visit the restroomkit.com. That's the restroom kit. And when you use the code Ramblings, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-S, you will get 15% off your purchase. So stop going to the bathroom without the full protection you need. Go get the restroom kit at therestroomkit.com. I am TJ Mercer. I am known as the walking exc- exclamation point when I can actually say it correctly and I uh, am known as the bingo boss cuz apparently I produce epic bingo games <laughs> and uh, but the thing that typically you know feeds my bank account is I'm the chief noise maker of Media Ma- Mavericks Academy where I teach authors experts coaches and entrepreneurs how to book themselves in the media without a publicist and without being a celebrity. I'm really good at what I do because I spent 25 years working in Hollywood. Uh, So if I don't know nothing else, I know media. With that said, woo, baby, today has been one of those, like, okay, God, we, so we, we, this is what we doing. We, we, we going back to Peter. Really? Like we going back to the, so today's topic is four reasons water walkers don't sink. So that means we back, <laughs> we, we are back in the water walking feet of Peter. We've been, this is our third day. I was like, Lord, really? You really trying to make sure that folks get this message. He is raising up water walkers and he is making sure Tish, he's making sure Patrice, he's making sure Lynn that y'all catch this, he's making sure mom that you catch this because he won't let it loose out. You know, I'm like, God, are we gonna be back there tomorrow? I don't know. But for today's topic, you know, I'm a bit loose with it because he still ain't really made it clear, and it was just like, you just got to trust me. And so, it may seem like I'm rambling, but it's like me just trying to be obedient and, and stay in the moment of what God wants me to deliver. But with that said, I need to take you take you to this morning to, well, no, I need to set up the stage for anybody that's new that's listening to you. So for this season, I forgot that part. For this season, I am called to go live every single day. And I'm going back to my Bible storyteller roots where uh, I just teach from the word and how God shows it to me and Uh, presents it in ways that hopefully is applicable to everyday life. And so our theme, our theme for the month that we got like on day two, because I didn't know what the heck I was doing when we started. I still don't have a plan. He only literally, it's crazy. Whenever I try to get ahead, he's like, "Mm, I ain't going to show you nothing. So you just reading for your own enjoyment. I ain't showing you nothing. You got to trust me to show up tomorrow and I'll tell you what we're doing tomorrow. So Our uh, anchor scripture is Exodus 19 and three. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. He had me just stop at this is what you are to say. So for this season, what I'm teaching, really, for those of you who have known me for a long time, y'all know stuff is coming out my mouth. Yeah, TJ ain't that smart. She ain't that in tune. She ain't that, you know profound and she ain't that. So this is what God is telling me to tell you and to tell you that for this season, I am your Moses. I am sent by God. God told me I need to come get you. And I'm spitting all over the place. I need to come get you out of your Egypt, whatever your Egypt's are. I had to send a text message um, to someone earlier today that I love. I was like, your Egypt is complacency. God is sending me to come get you. So I need you to hook your train to my caboose and let's come up out of Egypt. And so then by day three or four, whatever day it was, we realized that we were coming out of Egypt because God wants to raise up some Peters. And we've been for the last 10 days. We studied nothing but who? Peter. And I'm beginning to believe that this whole month we're going to just be studying Peter because God, as of today, is showing me he's raising up some water walkers because Peter is the only person in history, to my knowledge, that has walked on water. And so he's raising up water walkers in this season and he wants to make sure that we start inhabiting, we start really looking at what made Peter, Peter. And all his flaws and all his his idiosyncrasies, his impetuousness, if that's the right word, I don't know. His knee-jerk reactions. What made him still did not disqualify him. Nothing he did disqualified him from the call that God put on his life from day one. So that's where we are. So, with that foundation laid, now we're back to how we got here because i need y'all to understand as 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 much as y'all are on the ride i'm on the ride too it's like my favorite roller coaster is colossus in los angeles i go to magic mountain all the time and it's like no matter i knew what was coming i knew the the next dip i knew the turns but it still was exhilarating So by the time I teach it to y'all, it's still just exhilarating. I read it in the morning when he's had me study, then I get to teach it to y'all and it's still freaking exhilarating. That's God's word. That's where he has us in this season. This morning, he nudged me awake at 3.30. I I think I prayed a little bit. I was like, okay, so we really getting up? Like, are you talking to me or did I just kind of wake up? Like, what are we doing, God? And in my spirit, I kept hearing, he kept saying to me, 22 keys, 22 keys, 22 keys. And and I fell back asleep. And then when he woke me up at 630, I had a dream about, and every time I would visualize the the image, it would say, hashtag 22 keys. Now, I did a little preliminary looking at the, what the number 22, it blew me away. So I was like, you know what? Um, yeah, this is kind of blowing me away that you're showing up in my dreams now. But when he woke me up at that 3.30 moment, one of the first things he did was take me to, uh, I think I mentioned this earlier of you know our study time together, that in this season, what God is doing do- doing with me, the pruning, the purging, the getting on the potter's wheel, like just forming me into the masterpiece that he wants me to be is painful. Hi, Tawana. Um, And there's about three prophets that he has me following their pages because he also speaks to me through their words. He edifies me, he reassures me some days that I'm on the right track. And so today, one of of them um, is Lana Vowser. She's out of Australia. And she got my attention When I read, I felt the Lord say, shift your perspective. Rather than looking at the land as I don't have it, look at it through faith. That land is already mine because the Lord has promised it to me. How many of y'all have some promises that God has given you? And they have not come to pass. So when I'm reading the word, the land, for me, it's that's the promises. Occupy the land through your faith and expectation and stay close to Jesus. That resonated for me because what did we talk about yesterday? We locked in. We locked in on the fact that we Peter started sinking. When he took his eyes off Jesus. But we also dug a nugget out of there that apparently Peter wasn't that far out of Jesus's reach. And if you if you've missed days, I encourage you to go and listen because this thing is building blocks, building blocks that I didn't know was coming because you know I don't have no outline. But we're doing building blocks without me even planning it. He was close enough to Jesus apparently because the word said he reached out to grab him. So when I read that. Stay close to Jesus, looking into his eyes, and know that he is faithful. Peter knew Jesus was faithful. Much of what you are experiencing is pressure before the promise. Because the manifestation of the promise is imminent. It's close. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's close. But the Lord wants you moving into the manifestation of of the promise fulfilled in a place of deeper faith. Rest in him. That's what we talked about yesterday. Remember we showed the parallel of the first time Jesus got in the boat. Remember that? the Jesus got in the boat with them the first time. They, were, they experienced rough seas when the winding and the waving was happening. He was in the boat. Yesterday when we covered it. He was watching from a distance, knowing they're struggling. He had made it to the boat. So that, so the difference between the two is their faith had to keep getting deeper. They had, they had to go keep dip, getting deeper in their faith. So when I read that at 4.30, 30 this morning, I was like, okay, God, um, so what so what are we going what are we doing? And then it says here's what got me. God's promises will not be in vain. Hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. And then she added the scripture Romans 5:5. 5, 5. Now, normally cuz she writes long posts, normally I read the whole post, let it sink in, and then I'll go back to the scripture. This time I was getting ready to move forward and the Holy Spirit was like, no, I need you to go back and read that scripture right now. I need you to, I need you to go back to read. And when I read the scripture, I was like, yo, okay, God, I see it, but I I ain't really connecting the dots. I ain't really connecting the dots. And then I, I just fell back asleep. I woke back up and some things happened and it started, I started feeling another, it's like we're go back to water walking, go back to water walking. And I, when I got in the closet, cause I literally, I study in my closet today. And yesterday I bought me a, a little, little bitty light so that it's, it doesn't illuminate. It just illuminates enough for me to write. I love it now. Like I can be in there all day, just being with the word. Um, So I went in the closet and he was like, let's go back to the water walking. And I was like, and right after that, I was like, okay, God, but what's the point? What is the point? So I'm going to show you where he led me to. All right, we ready? Y'all ready to feast? I wonder what God has on the menu tonight. Let's get ready to feast. First scripture. John 6. We're going to look at it. We're going to look at it this time from John's perspective. John 6. Hey, my Sean. John 6, verses 1 through 20. And this is a review. Again, we've, we've dug deep into these scriptures in the previous days. So we're not gonna, I'm not going to read regurgitate. We're just going to review. I'm going to hit the, the key points to get to our main point. But this time we're going to start at the beginning. Remember, we've been just kind of picking up and where, where they were. Jesus was walking on water. Today, God was like, well, let's go see really what happened before. So Jesus feeds 5,000. After this, Jesus crossed over. So after this, what was it after this? So we got to go back to the jo- end of John 5. What was it after this? So what happened at the end of John five? So he, if John five was Jesus uh, preaching, he claimed to be the son of God. Okay, so now we know after this, he had been preaching. He had expended a whole bunch of energy. Jesus crossed over to the far side of the sea of Galilee known, also known as the sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. He's Jesus, he's dope. Of course they are gonna be following Uh because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed the hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was gonna do. Jesus came in with the plan. Jesus came in. I don't know why I'm spitting so much. Jesus came in with the plan. I love that. That's why we started in John today. He he knew what he was gonna do. He was testing Philip. This whole remember, this whole journey right now is about Jesus prepping his disciples to handle the job he was going to be leaving them with. He was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Peter's brother, a new BFF, Peter's brother spoke up. Well, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Here comes Jesus. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. So for me, I picked up, especially when I looked at other versions, I picked up. If you go back and read other versions for me, this is where the disciples actually participated. Because there are some versions where it says, uh, "What was I reading today?" I really want. Hold on, I gotta go find it for you. I because I need y'all to see this. I didn't think about doing it this way. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me see if it's Matthew that I'm thinking. Hold on, because I need y'all to catch this. Okay, so let's go. Let's go over. Go back to Matthew because I, I like the way Matthew handles this. Go back to Matthew, Matthew 14. I don't have this written down. Go to Matthew 14 and pick up uh, uh, verse 14. So Matthew 14, 14, I'm reading from the New Living. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So you see how, you know, the same event told through two different eyes. That's how we do. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. He's telling them ahead of time. Remember Peter's, Peter's when, 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 when Jesus redeems Peter, he tells him, feed my sheep. But we only have 17, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, do? Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down. Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples. They had to participate. Everything else to my knowledge of looking at the miracles that Jesus did, it was Jesus doing it. He's turning the corner and now they got to participate. You got to participate. God is raising up Peters. He's got to train you. You got to participate. And then actually as they're doing it, then breaking the loaves into pieces. He gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. So they sit here watching. Remember, there's 5,000 people just counting the men. Jesus is strategic. He gave them the directions. He gave them the directions on how to um, divide the people. He was structured with this. But then can you imagine, can you imagine how this looks? They know, the disciples know, the people didn't know. The people didn't know that he only had five loaves of bread and two fish. So they don't sit in here literally watching folks being fed and nothing running out. Can you imagine how that just kind of started out? Like what the heck Jesus think he gonna do with, with five, five, five loaves of bread and two fish? I know he got it, but come on now, that's just straight impossible. Bert says the world's greatest fish fry. I love it, Bert. What what the heck is is Jesus gonna do with my life. I, I got pregnant at 14. What, 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 what is Jesus going to do with my life? I was raised in poverty. There's no way I'm going to be a millionaire. What, how can Jesus, it's, it's only, I only have a third grade education. There's no way I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Jesus is gonna do with my little five five loaves of bread? There, there, there. Wait, this, this ain't making sense to me. So you mean to tell me that I can fail English four times and I still somehow Jesus is gonna gonna turn me into a New York Times best-selling author? What did you do that? can you imagine what the disciples are seeing as they know what they're working with they know their limitations and remember what i forget which one it was what we talked about what we talked about yes Bert, it's a but if you say so moment like we only got five loaves of bread and two fish and you tell us to we gonna just dis- dis- disseminate that but if you say so we going not we going not at least try we're just gonna do what he said Or they sitting there just sitting there back there watching like, yeah, I want to see how this going to play out. (laughs) Like, yeah, I know you, Jesus, and you've been doing some pretty dope stuff, dude. But I just need to see how this going to play out. And yet they just continuously not seeing it end. How dope is that? They got to witness it. They got to witness it to the point, verse 20, they all ate as much as they wanted. Another version says until they got full. And afterwards, so not watching it being just, it it never ran out. So now the disciples are going to get ready to pick up not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, not 10, not 11, but 12 baskets of leftovers. Now go back to the beginning, though. When they first was like send the crowds away, and and they first came back, but we 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 what do you mean we gonna feed them? Jesus made provision that they weren't left out. They served the people. Come on, now y'all seeing the biz, the building blocks we talked about serving yesterday? I forget which point it was, but it was uh. Something about we don't look at God's fine, we don't look at our, water walkers do not look at our finite limitations. We focus on God's limitless abilities or something like that. I told you, I don't remember what I teach from day to day. I just know we set that. They're watching this happen in real time. And the irony is 12 baskets, one for each of them. They ain't even got a shirt they don't have to share at all. They get their own. Watch this. With the blessing they participated in. They put in the work with Jesus. Those that were serving still got got served a blessing. That's it, Bert. They put in the work with Jesus. And they got their own basket. So that's, what they got into the boat with that that that's what they got into the boat with so i'm sure by then their faith was on fleek do we say that anymore that evening uh, go back over to john 6 go back to john 6 now and 16 Go back to John 6 16. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. They had fed all the people, but as darkness fell, and Jesus still hadn't come back. They got headed over it over, they, they got into the boat and headed over across the lake towards Capernaum. Now we got to go back to Matthew because I, I, I'm I'm making the point that I need y'all to see the different versions. I need to try to see that. That's a different version than, than what, what uh, Matthew told us. So now go. Back. I know we bouncing. Just stay with me. Hope y'all got your digital Bibles and we'll make it easy. Go back to 14. twenty two. immediately after that, after what? About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. He insisted. He sent them. We talked about that yesterday. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself because he needed to pray. And remember I told you uh, Pastor t- uh talked about the fact that he had toured the place where all of this went down and the guide showed him that Jesus could see all that was happening. Thank you, Elsie. It was the A. We abandoned our finite limitations in favor of a limitless God. Yeah, I am pretty smart, huh? No, that wasn't me. That, that was all God. Yes, that was the A of, of walk. Um, So Jesus saw, saw them. He, he kept his eye on them the whole time as he was looking. 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. John says about three to four miles. For strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. So yesterday we were looking at the fact that how the scripture just you know um, says it's so common, like that's an everything thing, walking on the water. And I said, had I written this, me being the extra overly dramatic uh, person that I am, it would have been. And out of the mist emerged a shadowy figure. Could you see who it was? Could it pop? Like, I would have laid that thing out. (laughs) Like, this is Jesus walking on water. Hey, my Tawana. And so today, though, God showed me a a twist on it. Remember, um, Lana, what I read to you earlier, she's like, shift your perspective. So he showed me a twist on it. What he said to me was, well, it's Jesus. We expect Jesus to do dope stuff. Like, are we really surprised that Jesus could walk on water? He's Jesus. Heck, his daddy made water. He knows exactly how water works. Ah, stay with me there. Like, okay, yeah, I I can go with... Jesus, well, maybe that's why scripture just throws it in there because, yes, yeah, Jesus, he walks on water. He... So when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid. He said, Take courage. I'm here. We have dissected that. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. This is what God pulled out of me today. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. Peter was used to water. This is a storm that Jesus sent them into. He knew just like he knew that they were going to need to feed the people. And it was a test for Philip. So he knew he was sending them into a storm. And he sent them anyway. Because he knew what was about to happen. Him, Peter asking him to walk on water. We've already seen how Jesus tests. We just saw that in the verses above. That's why I needed to take you back because this is the faith that they're operating in. So Peter got in the boat, having watched Jesus provide for 5,000 people that he participated in and walked away with a doggy bag, okay? Catch this. I forgot what I want you to catch. Hold on. Let me catch up to myself because I'm having 50 gazillion thoughts right now. Jesus knew that the storm was coming. Jesus knew that Peter had enough faith that he was going to ask him to do something impossible. Jesus was training Peter. And God showed me, look at this differently. Shift your perspective. Remember, that's what the the prophecy, the quote from the prophecy, shift your perspective. So I went into this Like, okay, God, let me shift my perspective. Let me look at this. Let me try to see this from a fresh viewpoint. Peter was a fisherman. He knew fishing like the back of his hand. I know TV like the back of my hand. But Peter... Also had the vision of I'm sure Peter had been swimming like we already know Peter can swim 100 yards when Jesus is in his viewpoint. We already know Peter was a strong fisherman. Come on. Come on. Holy Spirit. Help me get this out. Help me get this out because I need to I need my water walkers to catch this. Peter was a fisherman. That was a swimmer. He was used to the water. I'm sure he swam in the water all the time. Come on, water walkers. I need y'all to stay with me here. But he shifted his perspective and said, instead of looking at the water for something for me to swim on, I've seen Jesus. It's possible that I can walk on it. I'm going to look at this water in a different perspective. I'm used to swimming in it. But Jesus has shown something to me that shows me, okay, I've only been looking at water to my limited perspective for all these years has only shown me that I'm going to swim in this water. But here comes Jesus in the midst of a storm telling me I can walk on it. He shifted his perspective. And so a whole different realm of possibility of what was possible for him. You couldn't have told me that I was never, I was not going to be a TV editor forever. I just knew all I was going to do is be a TV editor. fast forward move to atlanta create bingo i i started looking at tv from a a different perspective of what was possible and so when we approach bingo and some of my bingo squad is here so i know i know patrice is here i know uh andrea is here and and i don't know who else is here cuz i haven't seen your name we essentially produced tv show as the bingo game we approached the bingo as though it was a tv show i had to look at it from a different perspective it just it wasn't bingo and it just wasn't tv god started showing me shift your perspective and so I ended up having to tell my team, we just produced essentially what we just did. We just produced five hours of live TV. The next, uh, the next night, we did six hours of live TV. The next night, we did seven hours of live TV. The next night, the final night, we did nine hours of live TV with only two commercial breaks of going to the bathroom. Catch this though, catch this. And we. I'm only saying I did it so I can make the connection for you. I did it with a group of misfits who had never produced a TV show. And yet they naturally, if Erica was here, she could tell you, Mina was here, Patrice can tell you. They naturally assumed their roles that they didn't know, I had to tell them after watching them naturally show what their skills were, they naturally and organically started showing up. I saw uh, 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 Kia here early. I don't know if she's still here. Kia, you're here. Kia, because of how Kia got down, Kia sent me on her own an outline of how we could structure each night and make it a theme of freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. And with bullet points, she self-identified herself as the producer of the show. She didn't even know what that meant. I had to explain to her what that meant. She had never done TV. Erica Baldwin. Sometimes she's here. Erica. During our production meetings, yes, and we would have six and seven hour, let me tell you something, bingo day, we would have like a five hour production meeting, walk away for 30 minutes and do eight hours of bingo. That was the commitment of my bingo squad, the band of misfits that started with me going, I'm going to try, try to do the impossible, God. I don't, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, can I walk on water with this? Can I approach this? Can I deliver it on the level that I'm used to dealing with with TV shows that have million dollar budgets? Can I produce this on a no budget? God was like, hold my beer. Y'all know the expression. Hold my beer. It's like, watch me. So Erica, when we would have production meetings, Erica would be the one that would always interrupt my flow. She would interrupt, my, I'd be on the flow. I'd be on the flow. And Erica would go, wait, hold on. Um, so who's doing this and what is like, she would ask the details and about, after about two or three meetings of it, I was like, Erica, do you realize what you're doing is you're, you're considered my script supervisor. You're making sure that the continuity of the show was in place and all, that all the dots are connecting. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, that's what a script supervisor does. It was because I believed the impossible that I could walk on water. I started looking at, I shifted my perspective of how I looked at my water, my TV show. Having no idea that what God was doing was just setting the stage of the actual physical TV show that he sent me to Atlanta to build in the first place. Are y'all getting that? Like, what, what, what? What is in your wheelhouse, your job, you know, for those of you working, that you need to shift your perspective? It's so familiar to you, but I need you to shift your perspective. Some of you are working a job that you need to shift your perspective and look at it as your dream funder. That This is what you're doing as you're earning the money to fund your dream. Or sometimes you can look at it as your job is your sponsor. They're sponsoring you to do what you're building on your time off or shift your perspective of your job is your mentorship. Where you're getting the skills and the tools that you need to then walk out your next assignment. So that job that you hate. Temporarily, I need you to shift your perspective, look at it differently, see what else is possible, just like Peter did. He was he was used to swimming in the ocean and now he's walking on it. So shift your perspective of how you view the situation that job that that God has you in. That marriage that looks like it's is just dead end and going nowhere. What happens if you shift your perspective and look at this is a training season, God? Make sure I get what I'm supposed to get in this season. As you're rebuilding the love, you're rebuilding the commitment, you're rebuilding the connection. Shift your perspective. Is that making sense? Are y'all getting that? Peter looked at something that's so familiar that he'd done all his life and shifted his perspective of what he thought was possible. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus, right? But we, when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. We already know I've covered all of that. I've dramatically, you know, acted that out. He started to sink the minute he took our eyes off of Jesus. Again, if you have not, if you have not listened to the previous messages, I, I can't say it enough. And thank you, everybody who has shared the video and hit that, that posting part, all that. I appreciate and love y'all so much. Um, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. That's why I showed you he had to be close enough. He had to be close enough. You're never too far outside of God's reach for him to grab you. So he had to have gotten close enough. He had to walk on that water close enough to, get, to let Jesus grab him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? We highlighted yesterday. He didn't say why did you doubt that you could do it, or why did you doubt your skills. And remember, we we talked about the fact that um, when go back because I don't want to forget this point because it's going to connect to where we're headed. When Jesus, when Peter asked Jesus, could he could he walk on water? Jesus didn't tell him, well, you need to go look at a YouTube video first to see how to do it. Or, well, hold on, you ain't ready for that level. Let me calm the sea and and let me stop the winding and the waving so that you can do it. He didn't tell him to go Google it and learn. And the point we made was because Jesus knew Peter already had the skills in him to walk on the water. He He was already built to walk on the water. And this was just another level of Peter's faith training. The first, you know, part we just saw, they watched Jesus feed 5,000 people. Thank you, Athea. Athea says this is good word, teach. Good. I'm hoping, Athea, are you getting it? Are you seeing the vision of what I'm trying to get y'all to see? So <clears throat> um, he didn't have to go do any training for it to walk on water. This was his training but it was a trainer not for walking on water, it was a training for his faith because Jesus knows what he's calling Peter to do. Remember he'd already changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter, which means rock. So this was already strategic. This was always strategic of what Jesus was doing. He didn't have to go get ready, he was ready. Now, I wanna put a pause there because remember I said yesterday, uh, you have so little faith, Jesus said, why do you doubt me? And remember, I posed the question, God still, I have, he's, he's slowly unpacking it. And I posed the question that was an interesting choice of words from G, for, from Jesus saying he has little faith, like what the heck is little faith? The dude just asked you, could he walk on water? That takes a lot of faith. Why Jesus, why you, you know, diminishing his faith, calling it little and whatnot. I just don't understand. God hasn't given me the answer. However, I did happen across uh where was i uh hold on where was uh i gotta check go to fifth matthew 15 21 and 28. that 15 verse 21 through 28 i'm gonna read this quickly so that you can see kind of where i'm struggling with this uh then jesus left galilee and went north to the region so put a put a um put a, a, a pen in peter Say that fast. Put a pen in Peter. Put a pen in Peter. Okay, say that fast. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away tell her to go away they said she's bothering us with all of her begging then Jesus said to the woman I was sent only to help God's lost sheep the people the people of Israel but she came and worshiped him pleading again Lord help me she had tenacity Jesus responded it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs I remember reading this first time and like God you got to show me why you call you know the woman the dogs that just seems uncharacteristic so there's probably some layers to this in the Greek and the Hebrew that I didn't really understand it but it was kind of brutal to call the lady the, the dog but you know we, we're not gonna die there just yet verse 27 she replied that's true Lord I love her comeback I love her comeback when you like nah Jesus you ain't getting rid of me this easy that's true Lord but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table that was quick thinking on her feet Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. So back up. Your faith is great. Why was her faith great? And she was asking for Jesus to heal her daughter. But Peter asking to walk on water and he trying it? That was just little faith. I don't know. I just wanted to show that to you guys so that if God revealed it in this season of August, that I can come back and teach it to. We've been planting the seeds for this because I'm still struggling. Like, why are you calling it little? I don't understand. That was huge for him to ask that. You ain't giving my boy credit. Then they were eager to let him in the boat. Remember, we talked about every time they got in the boat. Oh, wait. I want to go back. No, I got, we got to go back and finish Peter. We got, we got to go back. So go back to Matthew 14. My bad, y'all. My bad. I told, I warned y'all ahead of time. Like, This is an in the moment. We making sure we piece this puzzle together. So y'all rocking with me. You with me, you with me, you with me. Um, I want to go back and pick up what we talked about yesterday. How did they get back in the boat? How did they get back in the boat? And I, and I said, I believe, I believe that they got back in the boat because Peter, Jesus grabbed Peter's hand and Peter was, Jesus was like, okay, you got a little faith. We're going to work on that. So now I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you the proper way to walk on water because otherwise, how'd they get back, get back in the boat? And then first uh, Matthew 14, 32, when they climbed back in the boat, that's when the wind stopped, storm cease when Jesus is in the boat that happened the first time we read it is happening here. When you let Jesus in your boat, the winding and the waving has to stop. Then the disciples worshiped him like, yo, you really are that dude. You you really are the son of God. So Jesus was building these building blocks of faith with them. And then uh, we won't go there again, but 621 says, and immediately they've reached their destination. And so yesterday we talked about that through all of this storm, through all of this storm, God was still moving them to their destination. In fact, they were walking in the direction of the destination. So there was a lesson in the storm, but it didn't stop their progression to the destination. They still got, where they were going, but there was some lessons that Jesus knew he had to send them in the storm for them to get, because this is their faith training. Because at some point he was going to leave them and they had to take over his work. So then after I read, went back all of that, God showed me all those nuggets that he just showed me how to show you. Hopefully it made sense. Did it make sense? Did it make sense? Did it make sense? Audrey says she kept her eyes on Jesus and kept pressing regardless of the situation. Peter looked at the storm like that, Audrey. Like that. So when. God finished showing me all of this. And I went to, okay, so is that the point you want me to make to them? And he's like, no. Go back and reread the verse that I showed you at three thirty this morning. That's the point. That's the point. That's the dots. I want you to start connecting for them. Romans five, three through five. We can rejoice too, when we run into problems and trials, storms. For we know, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Peter was developing the muscles to endure the water walking. And endurance develops strength of character. It's all building blocks. Let me, um, I didn't realize the banner was over. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So there's a four step here of Peter going through that storm that storm needs to build his endurance, that endurance needs to build his strength of character and that strength of character was building his hope for salvation. And that's all I'm supposed to say for today on that. I was like, God, I got other stuff I can tell them, of, you know, I can really break this down. He was like, not today. That's all you need to know, that that's the point of our storms to get us to the hope for salvation. And at some point through this month, he may have me do it tomorrow. I don't know, I don't have no outline. He may have me do it tomorrow, but he'll have me go back and dissect this as only he can. What's the point, the hope for salvation. So with that said, who's ready for their four reasons Water walkers don't sink for long. We sink for a minute. Peter sunk when he took his eyeball. So yesterday I gave you the four traits of a water walker. Tonight. And remember, it was interesting. Tonight, yesterday, he had given me the walk acronym. And then I was standing in the shower and I just heard the word sink. And that's how God works with me the acronyms. He'll drop a word in such a way in my spirit that I know he's getting ready to dissect it. So fortunately, I have uh, waterproof notepads in my shower because of God, or how he deals with me like this. And so this is where he, he yesterday he dropped it in the shower. Remember, I said to y'all, I'm like, he gave me another teaching point. I just don't know when he's going to teach it. He wants me to teach it because it would require me to go back to water walkers. And like, do he really want me to go back to water walkers? So we're back to water walkers. And why? Water walkers don't sink for long because we don't spend time. We don't spend more time asking why me instead of why not me. This comes comes from my mother. I, I learned this from her early on. Anything's time something bad would happen and people would be like, why me? Why me? And she was like, why are you so good that it shouldn't happen to you? You want it to happen to somebody else? Water walkers don't go, why me in the storm? Why not me, God? You chose me for this. Strengthen my shoulders so I can carry it. So I ain't gonna spend time asking God, why me? Why not me? I. Water walkers don't inhale more negativity from outside than we inhale the positivity from the God inside of us. We don't spend a lot of time taking in the negativity of what's going on in the world. We can't. We got stuff to do. We got missions to accomplish. I can't be glued to social media and news all day, taking in what's happening in the pandemic 24 seven. Yes, I need to stay aware, but I also need to concentrate, God, what did you put in me? That's why when I launched um, Storytime with Auntie TJ, it came from God, what's in me that you want me to use to serve the people during this time? When I created the bingo, the God in me, God, what have you put in me that can help people cope with this? to give them an outlet. Yeah, I see what's going on around me. I'm aware, but I ain't inhaling it. But if I do, I'm blunted out because I'm gonna focus on what's inside of me. In. water walkers don't normalize mediocrity. And I would probably want to add, we don't normalize mediocrity in status quo. Because the status quo was we don't, sw- he, Peter wouldn't swim. He was a fisherman. The status quo was he would just be swimming in the water. He shifted his perspective and walked on it. So instead, we rise to God's standard. He asked Jesus, can I come? Jesus said, yes. All right. So I'm rising to Jesus' standard. I, if Jesus can walk on water, I can walk on water. That's the end. And K, Water walkers don't kick our faith to the curb at the first sign of rain. They were in the storm. Peter's faith still told him to ask and ask boldly, could he come do the impossible? So he still had faith. Don't get it twisted. Like it really sank into me. Peter walked on water. I don't care if he took four steps. That's four steps more than I have. He's the only person in history that walked on water. So he didn't kick his faith to the curb. His faith faltered. It didn't fail. It faltered. Don't get it twisted. It faltered, but it didn't fail him. And the reason why I know it didn't fail him because immediately when he realized he was sinking, he called to the one person who he knew he could rescue him. Jesus, his three word prayer, Lord, save me. So water walkers, again, they don't spend time, they don't spend more time asking why me instead of why not me. Water walkers don't inhale more negativity from the outside than they inhale the positivity from the God inside of us. Water walkers don't normalize mediocrity or the status quo. Instead, we rise to God's standards of what he says we can do. And K, we don't kick our faith to the curb at the first sign of trouble. That's it. That's it. I wanna type out something so you guys could, cause he gave it to me and I thought I'd type it. This is what I want you to hold on to when it comes to shifting your perspective this phrase dropped in my spirit earlier. Look at the familiar with the fresh eyes of faith. That's what Peter did. When he looked at the, familiar, the familiarity of the water, but he looked at it from the, his fresh eyes of faith. Write that down. Write that down. You need to hold on that. You need that reminder. Going forward through the normalcy and the familiarity of your day. The prayer is, Lord, shift my perspective. Help me to see the familiar with my fresh eyes of faith. Cause darn it, I'm a water walker. If tomorrow God will let me look at the pyramid of Romans, 3, of Romans 5 verses three through five. I don't know. I don't know what he gonna do. Remember I told y'all like on Monday the God sh- showed me something I'll be teaching the next day and it's like, no, he still ain't let me teach it yet. Or Sunday, I think I told you. Um, All right, Father God, Lord God, you did it again. I honestly, Lord, just couldn't possibly fathom you would give me three lessons out of water walking. <laughs> but but you got, and if you give me a fourth, I'll be here tomorrow dissecting water walking from a perspective that you gave me. It's my prayer, Lord God, that my tea lights, by day 11, they really are getting this. And they really are getting that they can trust what I'm telling them because I speak, as you told Moses, I speak your words. And your words, Lord God, always produces a change. We can't remain the same under your word. And so for this season, you've given me specific words to give to your tea lights. So it is my prayer that this word is landing where it needs to to land. Lord God, there are people here that are much older than me that have known me my whole life. So to them, I'm familiar. Except in this season, you're calling them to look at me differently so that they can really see that I have the answer through you for their next steps. So I pray Lord that the familiarity with me does not let them miss the message you sent me to deliver. What you're doing God is supernatural. I can't even believe it myself. I'm just in awe, but I thank you. I thank you for every ounce of faith that stands up here. I thank you for every ounce of faith that has now, has them now asking, Jesus, can I walk on water with you? Because I want to come to you. And for this season, the way I get to you is to be willing to do the impossible because that's how you set it up. And nothing is, is a surprise to you. So you know I was going to be in this storm. So the way out of this, is to come to you and to come to you, I got to do the impossible. So for me, God, personally, for me, the impossible is to go into this every day, having no plan, but fully trusting that you're going to show up and speak through me in a way that it's making sense and it's connecting. And it's not these random thoughts and it's not my thoughts. It's your thoughts through me to deliver with my mouth and the nature with which you built me of the personality that you gave me. So that it lands for them. I pray, Lord, that the Eater, the tea lights, as of this moment, shift their perspective. Give them a fresh set of eyes to look at the things around them, to see that thing that's been there all the time, just like with. There are, a lot of us here have been in church our whole lives and we've looked at this scripture. We've known this scripture for our whole lives. And yet in the last three days you've had us see it from a whole different perspective, a fresh perspective with fresh eyes of faith. I ask God that you do the same thing with that, with, with that, that you will do it in their daily lives, that they show up with fresh eyes of faith, that they begin to see the impossible, that they begin to see the possible in the impossible. So I love it, God. I love what you're doing. It's exhilarating and exciting of just you watch you work. And I look forward to the testimonies. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's it. Hopefully you enjoy what my TT shared with you. And like she always says, let's go out and make guys smile. And don't forget to hug somebody. It's T2 Mercer signed off now. See y'all later. <coughs>